Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, The Day of Reckoning, preached on January 21st, 1996. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 25. The Day of Reckoning. Now, this is a parable. Of course, it's uh, well liked by the markets of the world. Wall Street appreciates this parable because it speaks about investing. There is another parable in Luke 19, the parable of the minas. This parable of talents is essentially similar to the parable of the ten minas in Luke 19. It teaches the responsibility of Christians, disciples of Christ, to serve him during the time of his absence from the world. The context is this. Jesus is about to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. On the third day, he would rise from the dead. Soon he would ascend and be seated on the right hand of God. He would return to the earth a second time, ushering in the kingdom of God in its full manifestation. He would come in glory and power to exercise his kingship, and everyone will submit to him. When he comes again, the disciples will be judged by him according to the service they rendered to him. Three things I want to speak to you. First, trust, meaning entrustment. Secondly, trade. Thirdly, test. The master is going on a long journey, and he would come back only after a long time. There were disciples who thought that the kingdom of God was going to come in its full manifestation right away. So he tells them the parable of the minas to teach that it is not going to happen right away. So also this parable tells us there is going to be a period of absence of Christ from this world. He's going on a long journey. So he entrusts his property to his own servants that they may do business with it and increase it for the master. He distributes the property to each servant, not arbitrarily, but based on his own understanding of the ability of each person. One received five talents, another two talents, and yet another only one talent. A talent, as you know, was a unit of weight. The weight differed according to different countries. Then it became the highest unit of money, depending upon the metal, copper, silver, or gold. The value of the talent changed. A talent can weigh 
between 50 to 80 pounds. Some talents were valued about 6,000 denarii, worth 20 years of one's labor. A mina, on the other hand, was only worth about 100 denarii, three months' labor. Now, in the story, in a story in Matthew 18, verse 23, we read about a master forgiving the debt of 10,000 talents. He forgave a debt of 10,000 talents he owed. Very huge sum of money, which symbolizes the cost of our salvation. All slaves understood the will of their master to trade and make profit for the master. Without profit, of course, you cannot do anything. So doing business for profit is proper. But the essential teaching of this parable has nothing to do with making money. It has to do with doing the will of God diligently during Christ's absence. What did he entrust with his servants? He entrusted us especially with his gospel of salvation. Christ's death on the cross in behalf of sinners produced the gospel. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20. We read, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. And 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14 we read, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So it is the gospel of salvation which saved us, and the moment we are saved, we are entrusted with this gospel that you may do business with it. Also we are entrusted with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. Now to each one manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We are given grace as an entrustment. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 6, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. And St. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Serving God by serving others with the gospel and with the various spiritual gifts God has entrusted us that is the purpose of Christian's life. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Many misunderstand Christian life. They think Christian life is serving ourselves. Self-serving. Self-pleasing. Taking care of myself. Such a servant shall not bring profit to Christ when he comes. 
such a servant by his self-serving will prove himself a false Christian. God has saved us in order to serve him as Lord and Master. Jesus is Lord means that we serve him. He has entrusted us with the glorious gospel. He has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has distributed to each one of us spiritual gifts. He has also given us natural talents. He has given us time. He has given us money. He has given us property. So secondly, we must trade. We must use these to make profit for the Lord of the talents. That's what an entrustment is. It does not belong to you. It belongs to the one who entrusted you with it. We must evangelize the world. We must serve people of his church. Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. He said, I'm a debtor. I am under obligation, both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. They must hear the gospel of salvation, because it alone is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So Jesus Christ said before his ascension, go ye into all the world. And make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey whatsoever things I have commanded you. Jesus also said, ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world. We are the salt of the earth, and we are to shine as light in the world, that those who dwell in darkness may come to see light. The angels are not entrusted with this precious talent of the gospel. We are. Cornelius the Gentile was directed to call Saint Peter, that he may preach the gospel to him and to his household, that they may hear it, believe it, and be saved. The moment a person is saved by Christ, he is entrusted with the gospel to do business with it. That is the purpose of your life and my life, nothing else. We have to be very diligent in business. The five talent and the two talent persons immediately, the text says, began to trade with the talents they have been entrusted with. They did not say to themselves, well, the master is gone. We will do business as he said. But first let us relax a little bit. What is the hurry? He went on a long journey. It will take a long time before he comes. By and by, we will do business. We really need a vacation now. No, they set out immediately to to do business. For the master, with the talent, they were diligent and untiring. They worked hard. You read these things in the book of Acts. You read also in 2 Corinthians how St. Paul worked 
so diligently with this entrustment that he may produce great profit for the one who entrusted him with the gospel. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and uh, beginning with verse 4. Rather as servants of God we commend our souls in every way in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distress, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded us impostors, known yet regarded us unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11, beginning with verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again five times. I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep, and so on. He understood the importance of trading for the master. They knew their master would return and settle their accounts. They must render an account to him. They were not their own. They were bought with a price. Therefore, they must serve the master. They made it their goal to please the master. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 we read, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Serving God was not a drudgery to them. It was not tedium. They were grateful for their salvation. They loved Jesus Christ. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. When we love someone who died for our salvation, we labor for that person with great joy and great delight. Love is the engine that makes works possible. So Paul says, and he has committed to us 
the message of reconciliation. That is the entrustment. That is the gospel entrustment. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The two servants doubled their entrustments. Investment requires time. The master was tarrying a long time. They used this time for greater profit. In Luke chapter 19 verse 13, the master said, having given to each person a mina, he said that occupy, do business with it until I come. That is the master's charge. Dia pragma tuomai, do business. Be engaged in business of the gospel until I come. These were not bored with the delay of the master. They worked earnestly. Everybody knows greater the time, greater will be the profit. In Philippians 1 verse 22, Paul says, If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. The more we do business with this entrustment of the gospel, the more we ourselves enjoy blessings of it here and now. You see, that is a mystery to people, but it is the truth. The person who is engaged in the serving of Christ is the happiest person on the face of the earth. Jesus said, come unto me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from within them for other people's benefits. Enjoyment and service go together. We are refreshed every time we witness, we live for God. He who loves me, Jesus said, keeps my commandments. That means serving God, doing his will. He will be loved by Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. We will come to him and make our home with him. That's the enjoyment. Those who are busy in the work of the Lord are also those who enjoy the manifestation of God's presence into their souls. He may be in prison. He may be about to be killed, but... God the Father and God the Son come into that person's soul and gives that person a manifestation of heaven. It's given abundance of grace. The busy servant enjoys life to the fullest in the service of God. He who serves himself with God's resources is the most miserable person on the face of the earth. Bless us for and no more. Amen. That's their prayer. The busy and diligent servants are producing great profits for the Lord as they serve God and witness to the world. Let's turn to the book of Acts and chapter 6 and verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. You see, the, read the same thing in Acts 12.24 and Acts 19.20. Great opposition against the word of God. 
and yet the word of God grew and multiplied in spite of severe opposition of the world and religious establishment the gospel increased countless multitude became believers in Jesus Christ because somebody traded with the gospel somebody witnessed to the world somebody lived the Christian life thirdly the test the day of reckoning the long delay of the master can on the one hand cause true disciples to work hard for the greater profit of the master. But on the other hand, the long delay of the master will demonstrate the falseness of the wicked servants. The diligent servants were greatly inspired to work hard because they believed truly one day the master would come. Second coming of Christ and the settling of account should cause us to be very diligent in our service to God. Another reason we should be diligent in our service to God is our own departure from this world, which can happen any moment. Those who do not believe in the second coming will not be ready when he comes. They are too busy. They are eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, planting and harvesting, buying and selling, completely engrossed in the affairs of this world. But the diligent are ready. They desire Christ to come. They want to show him what his entrustment has produced due to their diligent activity. After a long time, the master came to settle the account. The five-talent man came to settle the account. Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. This gain of five more proves that he was a true disciple. This gain reveals good works of the believer. If a person confesses Jesus is Lord and refuses to obey him, his faith is false. He will have no gain. His faith is the same kind of, as the faith of the devil. The devil believes and trembles, but the devil will never submit to God, never obeys God, never serves God, never loves God. James said, faith without works is dead. Where there is justification, there will be sanctification. A person without sanctification is not justified. The proof of salvation is good works. Antinomianism proves the falseness of the professor. He who loves God will keep his commandments. He who is united with the vine of Christ will produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit for the glory of God the Father. The fruitless branch will be cut off, gathered, and burned. Chapter 2. Let's see what Paul says in terms of the day of reckoning. And verse 7. To those who by persistence in doing good. That's good works. That's obedience. Seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. 
And verse 9, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. There we are told what is the purpose of God regenerating us and raising us from the dead. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The eternal plan God has for us is not that we may live for ourselves, but to do good works, to serve God, to love God, to submit to God. A person who claims to be a servant of Christ and lives for himself is like the foolish virgins. They're phony to be condemned by the master. The servants who gained for the master, they were bold, they were confident, they were rejoicing, they want Christ to come. And so we read in 1 John 2 and verse 28, and now dear children, continue in him. So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. We love him to come. We want to show him what the gospel has accomplished. The gain pleased the master. And he said, excellent. That is the benediction from the lips of Jesus Christ. Then he said, good servant, speaking about the person, the character of the individual. Good servant. And then he says, you're faithful servant. If you are of a certain character, you will do certain things. The wicked does wicked things. The good person does good things. The bad tree brings forth bad fruits. Good tree brings forth good fruits. Faithfulness also is the basis for promotion. So Jesus says, you were faithful in a few things, but I appoint you. Who is he? He is coming as king of kings and lord of lords. He has received his kingdom. And he says, I appoint you based on your faithfulness in little things. I appoint you ruler over many things. And then they are told, enter into the joy of the master. The Bible says, if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. Look at Matthew 25 and verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Kingdom prepared for you, the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Enter into the joy of your master. Servants are promoted to share rulership with the king of kings and the lord of lords. Share in the joy of the master. Christ, we are told, endured the shame of the cross for the joy that was set before him. 
Now he shares this joy with his faithful servants. It is the sharing of his glory. To be allowed to be in his presence. To commune with him. There is no greater joy than the joy of being in the presence of God. The one talent showed up too. He did not have any gain. He hid his talent in a hole in the earth. He never served his master. He always professed Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. But he will not obey him. He will not surrender himself to him. And he showed up. He did not enjoy the talent. He did not enjoy the gospel. He never experienced the forgiveness of sin. He was never given eternal life. He did not enjoy the talent by trading with it. He hated his master. He accused his master as being a loan shark. One who squeezes blood out of a turnip. An austere man, a hard man like the Pharaoh who demands the same count of bricks without providing straw. This speech reveals the heart of this false Christian. He was unregenerate. He was like Judas. He had no vital relationship with Christ. He did not love Christ. He did not believe in Christ. He did not hope in in Christ or in his coming. And he blames the master for his lack of productivity as Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden after the fall. Every phony person will blame God and blame everybody else. He knew the will of the master. He heard it. And yet refused to perform. He was a foolish servant. The master calls him wicked. Not good. Wicked. He calls him lazy. And then he calls him, you are useless. Useless to me. To such people he would say, I never knew you. Away from me. You workers of iniquity. Yes, that's a test. And he's coming to test. His eyes are like flaming fire. He is able to test. He knows the deep heart of each person. He knows who is the phony and who is real. He knows who has white relationship with him. He knows who serves him. He knows who loves him. He says he was afraid of this hard task, Master Jesus Christ. But the Bible says, 1 John 4, 18, perfect love casts out fear. Fear is of the devil. Jesus Christ came to destroy fear by destroying death and the devil. No, this wicked professor did not love Jesus and so he was afraid on the day of judgment. His talent is taken away and given to the one who had gained the most. In Proverbs 11 verse 24 we read this, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. Refreshed by the master when he comes. The refreshment of hearing from the lips of the master. Excellent. 
Good servant, faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. You are faithful in little, but I am appoint you ruler over many things. That's refreshment. But this one was not refreshed. He is called the wicked, the lazy, the useless servant. He was a nominal Christian. And let me tell you, multitudes of those who say they are Christians, they are simply nominal Christians. Let's be very clear about that. He had form but no godliness. He lived for himself and came to poverty. He did not hear from the lips of Jesus words of approbation but of condemnation. Not well done, not good, not faithful, not given increased rulership, not invited to the joy of the Lord. Throw him outside into outer darkness, the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, he was trying to justify himself. Listen to him. It's amazing. The wicked will try to justify himself, but the righteous judge, Jesus Christ, shall condemn him to hell. Matthew 25, and look at verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He was serving the devil. And verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment. Go away from the presence of God. Go away from eternal life. Go away from light. Go away from banquet. Go away from the presence and pleasure of God. But the righteous to eternal life. He served his master. The hard task master is Satan. What this man said is, you Christ is Satan. That's what he said. No, the hard taskmaster is Satan, and he served him all his life, and he'll be sent where Satan will be sent, hell. Let me ask you, have you truly repented of your sins? See, if you are an antinomian, that an antinomian is one who confesses Jesus is Lord, but lives like a devil. That's what an antinomian means, against law, lawless one. When I say, have you repented truly, it means true repentance. And as a result, you love God. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Are you faithful with the trust of the gospel? Are you a witness for Christ? Do you live by his spirit? Are you trading the word of his salvation? That others may come to experience rich forgiveness of sins through Christ. Through you is the word increasing and multiplying. Do people come to know Christ through you? Are you redeeming the time? Not for your own enjoyment, but for the increase of the gospel. Soon you will die, soon the master will come. Are you looking forward to his coming with confidence. Do you have an increase again to show him? Will he say to you, excellent, good servant, faithful servant, I promote you. I appoint you ruler over many things. I give you greater responsibility in my kingdom. Will he say to you, come, enter into the eternal happiness 
of communion with me. Or will he say to us words of condemnation? You lived all your life for yourselves. You did not love me or serve me. You served yourself. You are wicked. You are lazy. You are useless to me. Out of my sight! Away from the Lord, away from heaven, away from eternal life, away from joy, away from peace, away from the kingdom, away from glory. This is serious business. Let me ask you finally, do you think the Bible is telling the truth? This is it. God, through world history, is producing a people who love him. And he is coming for that people. And he will, they will rule with him. They will reign with him. There is a, a judgment. There is a great disease. There is a great test. That is all true, brothers and sisters. Oh, Heavenly Father, we confess that we thought the purpose of Christian life is to live a good life, to have wealth and health and prosperity, good vacation, accumulation of many things, comforts. And we were hoping that you would give all these things to overflowing. But we understand, O oh Lord, when we confess Jesus is Lord, we are declaring that we have been bought with a price and that we must serve Christ all the days of our life. You have richly forgiven our sins, and you have entrusted your gospel with us. And you have given us grace. You have given us the Holy Spirit. And it is your command that every Christian be a witness in life and by word. A light that shines in the world. Help us, O oh Lord, as, as parents to shine as light in a home. Loving God and serving God worshiping God and doing God's will that we may become witnesses to our children to our neighbors to our city to our country to the world help us O oh Lord to desire to have an increase the one without increase is a phony person is a wicked person a lazy person a useless person Bless our lives, O oh Lord, that we will engage in business. Business of the gospel. That we will be faithful in the proclamation of the gospel. Not like the phonies who preach the gospel, saying that if you believe, you will make money. That is not being faithful to the trust of the gospel. And then there are others who deny the divinity of Christ... They deny sin. They deny hell. Oh God, that is not being faithful to the trust of the gospel. Help us, O oh Lord, to believe in the gospel, to enjoy the gospel, and declare the gospel to the world and say, herein is joy. Hallelujah. Heavenly joy. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Bless our life, O oh Lord, that we will have an increase when you come again. And we will be confident. We will say, come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.